Over the Wall podcast. College football weekend just wrapped up. It was the final weekend of the regular season with championship weekend up ahead. LSU dominates once again, gets a big revenge win against Texas A&M after that seven overtime loss last year and a lot of ruckus after the game. Tigers come back strong and win 50-7. to Kind of like I thought it would shape out. Now you have Georgia ahead in the SEC Championship with a lot on the line, and we'll touch base on that. We'll also touch on Ohio State and Michigan. Um, it's been a big topic around Louisiana and these parts about Ohio State being number one this week, LSU two. I'll kind of give you my outlook on that. Um, college football playoff issues that I have. We'll talk about Jim Harbaugh. That's a big discussion point um, across the country. Is he overrated? Is he not? I'll talk about that. We'll talk some Jimbo Fisher as LSU absolutely crushes AM. What's my outlook on Jimbo Fisher? Um, it'll be interesting. I think he could be a tad bit overrated. We'll also do a top 10 and a one big takeaway. Let's go. LSU absolutely dominates Texas A&M. Wins 50-7. I knew they would win convincingly, but maybe not this convincingly. I mean, this was an absolute beatdown statistically. And just on the field, it, it could have been worse in my opinion. The offense kind of stalled a little bit first half of that third quarter. So you could have seen maybe like a 62-7 a to 7 score right there. They played great. And their hair was on fire. And you heard after the press conferences uh, – after the Arkansas game, and they were ready to roll. They were ready for A&M after what happened last year. Last year, they lose 74-72 to in seven overtimes in a game where the Tigers thought they'd won a couple of times and just there was a, a couple plays that got overturned from review. And after the game, a lot of ruckus took place where you know coaches were getting the scuffles and you knew they wanted to prove a point to Texas A&M. This coaching staff did. I mean, you heard Coach O. He was ready for this one. He gave a little uh, crazy chuckle in one of his uh, interviews, and you know he was fired up, and this team was fired up. Anytime you get a, a really talented football team like LSU fired up and ready to go, that's what happens, right? Especially, I guess, a team that's probably inferior to them, like Texas A&M. And, man, they killed it. They were great. Um, a big thing, which is something that I'll probably remember forever, is Joe Burrow. Senior night, he wears the uh, the Burrow B U R R E A U X, um, and I thought that was just very symbolic to the state of Louisiana to show his gratitude. Um, one thing I love about college football, and I think all of us love in the South, and many of us prefer college football than the NFL, is because the NFL seems more like hired guns, right? So if you're a Saints fan, not a lot of these guys are from Louisiana. Pretty much nobody is. Um, they're hired guns. They're hired professionals to play for your team, which is great. I mean, no doubt. I, I'm, I'm a big Saints fan. But the reason we all love LSU and we love our teams in the South, wherever you may be from, is because those are our guys, right? They're either from the state of Louisiana or from surrounding areas or, you know, they just they, they show that passion for Louisiana State University. And we feel like Louisiana State University, LSU, whether we went there or not, their football program, baseball program, basketball program, whatever it may be, it represents where we're from. And so you get a guy like Joe Burrow, who's from the state of Ohio, went to Ohio State. He might not feel like one of us, right? 
And for some people, maybe, you know, that matters. Uh, to me, not so much. I want to see my team win. But he basically ingratiated himself um, to the Louisiana culture when he put that name tag on the back and, and blew kisses to the crowd, basically said, thank you all so much for everything, you know. I know he's openly said it, going to LSU changed his life. Um, and, and he changed the LSU football program forever. He's the one guy you're going to point to and say that was the guy who changed it. He's going to win the Heisman. There's nobody close. And so, like I said, I, I feel like that was super, super symbolic to the state of Louisiana. And uh, like I said, he ingratiated himself as one of ours, like an adopted son. That was like the moment, like, right? So you go to the courthouse um, and, and you adopt a child, right? I know I'm kind of not necessarily making light or making it too serious here, but that's how it was. He, uh, he went to the courthouse, midfield, Death Valley, and he became an adopted son of Louisiana and LSU. So that was just great, great to see, and I'll just remember that forever. And, you know, a guy like this is just amazing, right? So, like, senior night, he does that, that the burrow thing on the, on the back of his jersey. Um, emotions are running high. Maybe he doesn't show up and play his, great, his best game. He balls out once again. Man, this dude is just amazing. He really is, like... I can't say enough about him. I know I rave and rant about him every week. He's the best, um, best quarterback to ever play LSU. He's going to win the Heisman landslide. It'll be the first Heisman since Billy Cannon, I believe. Man, that was 60 years ago. It's really a landmark you know, for the program, and it's going to change the program forever just because now you get offensive players who are going to come in and say, you know what, I want to play for LSU because in the past the offense was anemic. Now it's, you know – highly efficient and guys are producing so like I said Burrow just changed his program forever and against A&M he was amazing you know elusive throwing darts just great in the pocket not anything more I could say about him that hasn't been said LSU's defense has been a huge talking point you know amongst prognosticators the past couple weeks Uh, the Ole Miss game was was bad Bama you give them a break because it was Tua but And even the Texas game, they allowed points. But watch what happened the past two weeks. When you're playing teams, Arkansas, I'll give you that. That's not a very good opponent. But this week, A&M, it's a a team where you can kind of, you know, judge yourself on. They're not terrible. Now, they're not the greatest offense in the world, but but they are a good offense. And Jimbo Fisher is known as an offensive guru. LSU put the brakes on him, and they beat the crap out of them. And that's something I've been saying, too, is that when, this, when, the, when the Tigers are going to hear nonstop, because it's a beauty pageant at this point, right? You're judging supermodel against supermodel, all right? Well, this one has this minor blemish, and this one doesn't. And that's what you're seeing when you're talking about LSU on Tuesday nights or any show. They want to find the, the smallest things to separate these two teams because these two teams are really, really good. And, and a point of emphasis has been, well, LSU's defense isn't good. Everybody's been saying it you know that Dave Aranda and that defense is taking it personally. They have the players. Now, it might not be the, the front seven they've had in the past, but they have dudes. They got dudes who are highly recruited. And when you get them motivated, right? So the spot they're in now, everybody says they suck defensively, and look what they're doing. I expect them to have a, a really good game again against Georgia, who I feel is a very inferior offense. I don't like their offense at all, plus losing some players. This is what happens when you get talented players, you, you get their hair on fire, 
and you get them motivated. And that's what you're seeing right now with LSU. And as we'll talk about the college football playoff in a little bit, I want everybody to back up, okay? And I want you to think about this. Yes, Ohio State and LSU, it's tit for tat right now. I like where LSU's at. And the reason I like where LSU's at is if I have two talented people, I want the person who's more motivated. Right now, everybody is loving Ohio State. They're the, some are saying maybe the greatest college football team ever. And when they, people talk about LSU, ah, Big 12 team now, doesn't play defense, not overly impressed, we rather Ohio State. That can only light your hair on fire. I'm telling you, LSU's in a great spot. You don't want to be the team that everybody's loving up on. Take yourself back to 2011 when LSU beat Bama in Tuscaloosa, game of the century. Everybody loved the Tigers. They played Bama again in the national championship. Bama had to hear that crap for a month, how you lost to LSU, and they whooped their ass. LSU is in a great spot. Now, I hope they get the one seed, which we will talk about later. But the Tigers are in a great spot, and they are highly motivated. You see it. I mean, this is a great spot for them. They get Georgia coming up this weekend um, in a crucial, crucial game. Now, that being said, I do think the Tigers are in no matter what. No matter what, they're in the playoff. They're in the top four. But you want to win this game. This is a really, really big game. Number four, Georgia. Number two, LSU. Lots on the line. Georgia, if they win, they're in. Obviously, they lose, they're out. I love LSU in this matchup. Um, You know, a couple weeks ago, I was a little nervous. But just looking more in depth in it, Georgia does not have the offensive firepower to score with LSU. And I don't care how good your defense is. Because this isn't, you know, 20 years ago where defense dominates. Like, I don't care how good Georgia's defense is. They won't be able to hold LSU to, like, 10 points. LSU is going to score points at this point. You know Joe Burrow is going to go out there and put numbers up. It's just going to happen. So can they score with LSU? They can't. Their offense is not good enough. I've, I've watched them all year. Unless they catch lightning in a bottle, LSU you know, craps their pants and fumbles here, interception there. They're going to have to need, Georgia will, a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown to stay in this game, to, to be honest with you, because – the past week, they've lost their number one receiver, their number two receiver, got in a fight Saturday and is out for the first half, and DeAndre Swift, their top running back, who could be a first-rounder for them, could be out with a shoulder injury. So things just aren't looking great for them right now. LSU's rolling, and you know the one thing I would be worried about is LSU just came off you know, a game where they were really motivated to play a and what if they kind of, you know, buy into their own hype and sleepwalk into this game? I don't see that happening because it's the SEC title. And once again, I predict that on Tuesday night, LSU will still be two. Um, they'll feel like they're getting crapped on and they're going to want to prove to the nation that they're the number one seed. Um, so once again, like I just I love the Tigers in this matchup. I just think the Tigers are better. Um, and trust me, I, I think they're better. And I'm not a homer at all. So that's how you know I'm telling the truth. I just wanted to break down some of these stats, um, you know, before we move on. And just to show you how dominant LSU has been offensively, I'm going to compare, you know, quarterback, running back, receivers for LSU and Georgia. So Jake Fromm, quarterback of Georgia, has thrown for, you know, 2,385 yards, 21 TDs, three picks, which is pretty good. That, that, inter- that touchdown-interception ratio is pretty damn good. Look at Joe Burrow, 4,366 yards, 
damn near doubles him. 44 touchdowns and six picks. That is unreal. Jake Fromm's a guy who people thought or still think can be a first-rounder. Oh, Jake Fromm's a first-rounder. Top 10. Joe Burrow is not going to be anybody. He, he wouldn't even get drafted at the beginning of the year. Look at those numbers. That's insane. 44 and 6. You got to love Joe. And then rushing, right? DeAndre Swift. This is what I'm talking about when you talk about Joe Brady and this offensive staff elevating guys. DeAndre Swift is another guy, and he's had a good year. Was a first-round guy. If you said DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you got? I mean, it would be laughable beginning of the season. Let's break this down. DeAndre Swift, 193 carries, 1,203 yards, 7 touchdowns. Pretty good. Clyde, 182 carries, 1,233 yards. So he, he beats him out by 30 yards. And he beats him. He has 16 touchdowns. That's nine more touchdowns. I'm not even counting Clyde Edwards-Helaire's like receiving st- uh, statistics. I mean, that's amazing, right? Clyde wasn't a five star, and he's he's just producing at that high of a level. Amazing. And here is a huge, huge difference. And I think this is really the difference where I might give Jake Fromm a little bit of a break because I am kind of harsh on him. He's lost a ton of receivers from last year. And this is the, the statistical difference here. Their top receiver, who is out the first half of the, the game, uh, Pickens, the freshman, 33 catches, 498 yards, six touchdowns. Compared to Jamar Chase, 70 receptions, 1,457 yards, and 17 touchdowns. That is insane. I've been riding Jamar Chase the whole year. Dude's a first-rounder. I mean, he is legit. Jefferson is, a, he, we thought that was his go-to guy. That was Joe's go-to guy. It's now Jamar Chase. Because when you break down those two receivers for LSU, both really good. Jefferson, I wouldn't say more of a possession guy, but he's just not the same caliber of athlete Jamar Chase is. Chase is amazing. He's a Sunday guy. He's a first-rounder. He's legit. Look, I like the Tigers in this game. I think they'll be motivated Tuesday night, ESPN. It's going to be LSU 2, and it's going to be nothing but, you know, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, which we'll talk about in a little bit with the CFP, it's going to be nothing but crap. Ah, that defense isn't good. Um, and, you know, yada, 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 every excuse to put Ohio State number one. So you know they're going to be motivated. I got LSU winning this one 34-13. Blowout win. Tigers will get that number one seed. Let's talk some college football playoff. I have some issues here, and it's not the issues that you think. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a meathead, bonehead LSU fan. I'm not a homer. I try to just be realistic. Now, I root for the Tigers hard. I mean, I've been rooting for the Tigers since I was, I don't know, seven, eight years old. I'm a huge fan. But I'm also realistic. I try to live in reality. I don't try to be a homer. And I see this, and I get it. You're a fan of Sharks for Fanatic, but the people in Louisiana are just starting to get absurd about, you know, uh, these rankings. And they're acting like Ohio State is essentially UL Lafayette, and it's just, a, you know, absurdity that they're number one, LSU's number two. I'm going to go over some things that just completely annoy me about this whole argument. All right. Is it debatable that you know Ohio State LSU absolutely 
it's not clear cut, okay? And this is the most bonehead argument, and I've been hearing it for the past 10 years. With LSU plays in the SEC, they don't play anybody. If I have to hear that one more time, I think I might vomit, okay? Yes, the SEC is good. At the top, at the top of the conference, you do realize LSU played Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Those teams are absolute garbage, okay? And then, like, I, the, the playoff committee says, well, they, they've, Ohio State has won uh, a couple top 20 games. Cincinnati was in the top 20. And, then of course, every LSU fan, Cincinnati's not good. They play a smaller conference. Okay, Cincinnati would probably be favored against, you know, half of the teams, like, LSU played. Cincinnati's not a great team, and I know they're using it for Ohio State's credibility, but just back off, okay? Look, has Ohio State played a softer schedule? It could be argued, yes. And, and, and every bonehead is saying, yeah, but if they played in the SEC, who have they beaten? I don't know. Penn State? Wisconsin? Michigan? Yeah, those teams are pretty good, right? You know, that's the thing is that in college football, we can argue anything. I think that's what's great about the sport. It's super argumentative, right? It's not the same schedule. They don't play the same team, so it's all about arguing, which I completely enjoy, but I don't, I don't like when people become homers. Look, man, LSU is a really good football team, and you know what? So is Ohio State. It's not insanity to think that Ohio State can be number one, right? But according to people in Louisiana, it's just complete insane. You're insane if you think that. And I don't, think, I don't think that's the case. I think that, I'll, I'll tell you this. If LSU goes out next weekend and beats number four Georgia handily, like I said, like a 34 to 13, and they're not number one, I'll be like, ah, yeah, I got to think about that. That's interesting there. I think they probably should be. But the reality is it's a beauty contest at this point. It's not, you know, apples, it's not the same thing. If you said that Clemson was number one, LSU was number two, then I'd like, okay, the ACC sucks. The SEC and the teams that LSU has played as way better. So resume-wise, LSU would be number one. But that's not the case, okay? This weekend, Ohio State is going to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin is going to be a top-ten team. They're not playing school of the blind here, okay? They're playing a really good football team, and I expect them to probably beat the brakes off them like they did in the regular season, Okay? People use some of these arguments to their advantage. And then, like, the arguments I heard about Ohio State is that you see what, what they did against uh, Michigan? They, they let up 27 points. Their defense isn't good. Yeah, but they only gave up 27 points. I watched Ole Miss, who's not going to a bowl game, who went 4-8, and eight, absolutely, you know, run, run through this LSU defense like it was nothing. So these arguments just, they don't hold ground to me. Look, get over it, man. The, they don't, there is no like agenda with these people on the playoff committee. That's the one thing, too, these conspiracy theories. Everybody has this conspiracy theory. Well, they want Alabama in because blah, blah, blah. They don't care. They just want the best four teams, okay? And everybody's trying to hit these weird arguments. Well, uh, TV ratings, okay. The, the people who are, you know, like ESPN isn't in there with them, right? So I, I'm tired of the conspiracy theories. I'm tired of all the nonsense. I want LSU to be number one, not because it makes you feel good, because they won't have to play Clemson, who's going to be number three. I want LSU to go in there, play Utah and Oklahoma, beat them by 30, feel good about themselves, and head to New Orleans and go play either Ohio State and Clemson. That's what I want. 
And everybody should want it for that reason, okay? But I feel like everybody, it's like an insecurity thing. Why aren't we number one? Look, both teams are really good. Stop these weird arguments. There is no agenda, okay? LSU's defense hasn't been great. Now, I think it can, you know, when it's time to play, they'll step up. They will. I really, really hope we get to see LSU, Ohio State, New Orleans. Um, I mean, it would be absolutely amazing. But stop complaining. And stop complaining about the Tuesday nights on, on, on ESPN. Guys, it's a television show. Okay, it's a television show. And if you haven't noticed, football, college football, NFL football, it's, it's a television show. That's what it is. So if you don't want to watch it, then like tune into a sitcom on, on Tuesday nights. I don't care, but I'm going to watch because I'm interested in college football. It's interesting. I love the debates. I love opinions, right? Get over it. LSU is not the greatest team that's ever lived, right? So, like, if they're going to be, like, underdogs against Ohio State or Clemson, it's okay, right? They're not the like, – people around here, because they're having a great year, think that they should be, you know, 10-point favorites against the Baltimore Ravens. Relax. Let the games play out. LSU is really, really good. Enjoy it. Ohio State's really good. The buildup will, will make for a great championship game if they meet there, which I hope they do. So, once again, take a deep breath and stop the complaining. I'm going to break down two coaches. One who's under a lot of scrutiny right now and a lot of fire. And another who very well could be in the upcoming years. And that would be Jim Harbaugh, who's under a lot of scrutiny because he can't beat Ohio State. And people around the program don't think he's living up to expectations. So we'll break him down. And then Jimbo Fisher, who in my opinion is starting to become a little overhyped. And I don't know if he's going to live up to expectations. But nobody's talking about that right now. So I'm going to break down some numbers for you. Let's start off with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has, has won everywhere he's gone. He went to San Diego, which is an FCS school, and he won there. He went to Stanford and completely turned around that program. Stanford was god-awful before he got there, and then he turned it around. I mean, they were winning games. They beat USC. I think it was like the biggest underdog win ever. Um, I believe it was 2007. They were like a 40-point dog. They came back and won, and then he turned the program around. They had Andrew Luck. They went to the Orange Bowl, and he had the ball rolling. Then he goes to San Francisco the coach of the NFL, the coach of the 49ers, and turned them around. And they went to a Super Bowl, damn near one. They went to NFC Championships, and then they let him walk. They fired him. Not sure why, but they did. He takes the Michigan job. Expectations become sky high at Michigan now that they have Jim Harbaugh because he's won every way he's gone. And they pay him an astronomical amount, and so these people expect national championships. The problem is, at a place like Michigan, they are, they're becoming unrealistic for what they are. Okay, they remind me of like Tennessee, where Tennessee has won a national championship once within the past 30 or 40 years. They're not an upper echelon program. They've had their moments where they've had Peyton Manning, and they've had like really good players who went on to play in the NFL, but they haven't had sustained, sustained success. Because there's not a, a large pool of players um, coming from the high school ranks in their own area. And even around their area, there's other teams and other programs competing for those players. Michigan has basically no players in their state. 
Okay, so they have to go to Florida. They have to go to Texas. That's very difficult because not only are you competing with, you know, teams in your conference, you're then competing on the recruiting trail with teams such as Florida, Florida State, um, you know, Miami in the state of Florida. You're competing with Georgia, LSU, Alabama for all these players. You go to Texas, you're competing with Texas and Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Um, it becomes tough to continuously get these kids to come to a cold weather state and a cold weather, you know, school. It's tough. It's not easy. Compared to Michigan's biggest rival, Ohio State, Ohio actually has a good bit of players that come out of their state. They have a good recruiting base. But, but also, Ohio State has always won. See, the problem with Michigan is the problem that a lot of programs have and a lot of people who are fans of not just like collegiate programs, but fans of uh, you know, NFL teams, Major League Baseball teams, NBA teams is their expectations are unrealistic. And that's Michigan. Michigan hasn't had like this amazing success as they think they have. Sure, they have a great fight song. They got cool uniforms. Their stadium holds 100,000. I mean, that's great. That's awesome. But they've had one championship within the past like 50 years, and it was a split national championship with Nebraska in 1997. They're not who they think they are. And so their expectations are you know, beat Ohio State every year and win the Big Ten. That's not going to happen. They're comparing themselves to Ohio State. And Ohio State is an upper echelon program. This is the problem I've had with LSU the past years is LSU and the fan base was comparing themselves and the success that they believe they should have with Alabama, right? Well, that's, that's unrealistic. What Alabama was doing was something we'd never seen before. The championships, they were rolling off. That's never going to happen. But, but Alabama has won like that for a very long time. Trust me, they'll tell you. They've won 17 national championships. Ohio State is, is in that same room with them where they have just continuously won. It doesn't matter the coach. Michigan should not be comparing themselves to Ohio State, okay? If you're comparing yourself, you know, to the hottest girl in the room or if I would be comparing myself to the, the smartest guy in the room, well, yes, then I'm going to always fall short of expectations. I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to be depressed. And that's what's happening to Michigan. Don't compare yourself to Ohio State. Compare yourself to Michigan State. Michigan State's in your state, okay, has the same resources. They've actually been to a college football playoff recently. They've competed for the Big Ten in the past 10 years pretty, pretty well. And look at where they're at. You're a better program than they are. You're beating them pretty consistently now. Okay? You have better players. It looks like your program's in the up and up, and theirs is plummeting. Compare yourself to teams like that. Don't compare yourself to Ohio State. Harbaugh's winning percentage since he's been there is over 700. He's 47 and 17 overall. Conference record, which is really important because that's the games that count because with the overall record, you can kind of fluff that up with a, with a bunch of nobodies. He's got a, 700, a 727 winning, winning percentage. He's 32 and 12. It's not terrible. And that's what Michigan has always been. So Michigan, these people become so unrealistic. Fire Jim Harbaugh. But get who? Like, who are you going to get to go to Michigan that's just going to completely transform the program? They're going to go 12-0 each year, beat Ohio State by 20 points each year, college football playoff. Big Ten Championship, it's not going to happen. And this is what's going to happen to these programs is they'll always keep failing because 
They'll never have any type of continuity. So you want to fire Jim Harbaugh, who's done a pretty good job. Okay, well, then you're going to hire who? Who, who are you going to get? And that next guy you get, you're going to fire him because he's going to be short, falling short of your unrealistic expectations. Then your program is going to consistently be in chaos, which you've seen four different head coaches within the past 15 years who haven't really had the success you're looking for. You just got to be realistic as a program. Okay, I've, I've compared this to LSU for years. LSU right now is, is having a ton of success this season. And I expect them to have a lot of success going forward. Now, do I think they're going to go undefeated each season? No, because that's unrealistic. Do I think they're going to go 11-1 and each year and go to Atlanta? No, that's unrealistic. I expect them to win the games they're supposed to win. And if they do that, each year they will at least have nine wins. At least. And if they win a game, a tight game against a good opponent, each year you're looking at 10-2 and or 9-3. and that's what I expect each year. In the two games you lose, you compete. You don't get blown off the field. That's what I expect, okay? That's how you keep your sanity. But these unrealistic expectations, like Saturday they lose to Ohio State, and now everybody wants to fire Jim Harbaugh. But, like, what did you think was going to happen? You thought you were going to go beat Ohio State, the number one team in the country? Come on. That's so stupid, it's unreal. And then let's, let's, do, let's talk about Jimbo Fisher, who I don't think is getting a lot of scrutiny. So... Jimbo Fisher had a pretty good run as a first-time head coach at Florida State. Up, I'd say up until the year after Winston left. Jameis Winston, they won a national championship with him, and he was really, really good at Florida State. Jimbo, let me, let, let me roll off what Jimbo did in those first couple years. First year at Florida State, 10-4, then 9-4, 12-2, which was his national championship season, 13-1 when they lost in the semifinals. Then Winston leaves. 10 and 3, not bad. Okay, 10 and 3, another pretty good year. 5 and 6, goes to AM, 9 and 4, then 7 and 5 this year. You can start to see a trend. It seems like it's kind of going downwards. And if you look at his offense, he's a guy who he coached for Nick Saban, and you see this all the time. It's all about who's you coach with, who's, who, which, which coaching tree you're from. I think he's a tad bit overhyped, and I think just because he coached with Saban, now he's won a national championship and had some sustained success for a little bit at Florida State, that people just think he's, he's the next Nick Saban. Nick Saban's don't grow on trees, and they're not just going to happen all the time. Okay, He's going to be a good coach. I don't think he'll ever elevate Texas A&M to national championship heights. I think people at Texas A&M thought they're going to get Jimbo, and within two to three years, they're going to be Alabama. It's not going to happen. Okay. Once again, program-wise, A&M has really never competed for national championships. I mean, really think about it. As long as you've been on this earth, when has Texas A&M been in a, a, a football playoff final, um, been in the top five of the BCS? You know, even hell, even going to a prominent bowl game, right? Like when the BCS had their four bowl games, even to this day, they haven't. They're not that type of program like people think. Sure, they have a lot of money. That's great, you know. Um, but that's not going to win you football games. Now, I do think he's going to get better. When you look at the schedule this year, 7-5, they played the hardest schedule in the country. So you could give them possibly 9-3. and three. But what I'm talking about is they gave him an astronomical amount, not a, amount of money, like Harbaugh. Okay? But nobody's really giving Jimbo crap. And I'm telling you, I don't see that program elevating the way people think it is. And he's going to start getting some heat. Just watch. Because when you get paid the big bucks like he's going to get paid, 
they're going to expect championships, and I just don't think it's going to happen. You're playing in the toughest division in college football when you have LSU, when you have Auburn, when you have Bama. Okay, I don't see A&M elevating themselves to beat those programs anytime soon. Just my opinion. Um, you know, people thought of him as a, a quarterback whisperer, quarterback guru. I, I've watched their offense this year. Hasn't been great. Mond hasn't gotten any better. I think that he could be one of these guys who's not going to, how can I say that, pivot well or adjust well to today's game, where he still wants to run his pro-style offense, and I don't know if that's going to continuously work going forward. The game is changing, right? Look at LSU and Joe Brady, up-tempo spread. That's what a lot of people are going to. Will Jimbo adapt? And you have to be adaptable. That's why I love Coach O. Coach O, when he took the job, was willing to adapt was willing to be a CEO, and he did this year. He gave the reins to Joe Brady and Steve Insminger offensively, and look what happened. Because you can remember when he took the job, he said, pro style, want to run the ball, same old crap we always heard from Les, and the same old crap you hear from old coaches. You have to be willing to adapt, and Coach O did. He's willing to you know, adapt and listen to things he doesn't know and get help from others. And is Jimbo Fisher willing to do that? I don't know. But ultimately, my prediction is he's going to fall short of expectations. There won't be championships. And he is going to get heat by midseason next year. If they're 8-4, and four, he's going to get a little heat. And so when I hear Harbaugh, I think it's just complete overreaction. And whenever I see Jimbo Fisher, I'm surprised he's not getting heat like Harbaugh. Let's do a top 10. Let's get my guidelines for my top 10. So I had to go with resume, win-loss record, who have you beaten, who have you lost to, but also, most importantly, how good do I think your football team is? Eye test, no BS. I'm already tell you the team I left out. I left out Baylor. Baylor's going to be number seven this week in the CFP. But realistically, they haven't really beaten anybody, and I'll give it to them that they're coming on strong. They, they put it to Texas, who I think is a good team, not a great team. And they beat the crap out of Kansas. Kansas isn't very good, but not terrible. But when you look at some of their wins, I mean, they beat TCU in double overtime. They barely got by Iowa State. Their non-conference was complete garbage. So I can't give them that much credit. They had Oklahoma on the ropes 31-3, and they lost that game. So for me, I just the outlook going forward, I just don't see the talent. Now, Matt Rule is an amazing coach. But I don't even think they're better than Alabama, who I left out of the top 10. So they're out. But to start it off, I got Notre Dame, the most underrated team in the country. Brian Kelly, the most underrated coach in the country. To win at Notre Dame is really, really tough. Academic restrictions, they don't let just anybody in. You can't get JUCOs in there. It's not like other schools. It's very, very tough in a northern climate. Sure, they have history, but kids nowadays don't give a shit about, you know, the what happened in the past. They don't care about the little nuances that go on in Notre Dame. It's about winning. And let me tell you something. Brian Kelly got them to the national championship and got them to the playoff. And in this day and age, at Notre Dame, that's very tough. So, like I said, most underrated team in the country, Notre Dame at number 10. At number 9, I have Auburn. Just look at the resume. Just beat Alabama, and they beat Oregon neutral site. Your losses are a close one to Georgia, a close one to LSU, and a close game to Florida. That's three Really, really good football teams. That's a good football team right here. They're really good defensively. I know they didn't show it yesterday against Bama. But, you know, for the most part, all year they played great defense. They have studs up front. 
And Bo Nix, I'll give him some credit. He's starting to improve a little bit, and they're starting to move the ball offensively. So Auburn at nine. At eight, I have Florida. Florida, only two losses this year to Georgia and LSU. Both games on the road. And yesterday, they beat the crap out of Florida State, who's not a terrible team, right? They have some talent, but they absolutely pummeled them. And that's what you're supposed to do. With their backup quarterback, you thought things were going to go downhill for them when they lost Franks. But Kyle Trask has really just improved them as a football team. He's a better quarterback than Felipe Franks, who is actually transferring. So, good year for them, 10-2. and two. I really like Dan Mullen as a head coach. At number seven, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's had a pretty good year. Two-loss team. They're going to the Big Ten Championship. You know, they lost to Ohio State in the first meeting. Um, they got absolutely crushed. But Ohio State's Ohio State. They're really one of the best teams in the country, if not the best. And I, I tell you what, they, they, they lost to Illinois in a sleepy Saturday game they weren't ready for on a last-second field goal. That looks bad, but I still think they're a really good football team. They're just solid. You know what to expect week in and week out with Wisconsin. So I have them at seven. At six, I have Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley, you know what to expect. He's a great coach. They're going to put up points offensively. Yeah, defensively, they're not very good. I'll give it to, to you right there. But they are better than what they have been. And Jalen Hurts is doing well, right? He's not Baker Mayfield. He's not Kyler Murray. But he, he's pretty efficient as a quarterback for them. And I expect them to win the Big 12. And I'm telling you, this next team I'm going to talk about, it, I think they could lose, and you could see Oklahoma in this playoff. And the team I'm talking about is Utah at five. Utah at five, I like them better than Oklahoma. Um, Resume-wise, isn't great. I'll give you that. But 11-1, and one, and I love Kyle Whittingham as a, good, as a head coach. Defensively, they're solid. They're just a solid football team. If you told me who I'd rather play if I'm an LSU fan, I'd rather play Oklahoma. I just think Utah's solid. I think Utah can give you problems defensively. Um, their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, he's probably one of the better quarterbacks they've had in a, a long time. Um, Zach Moss, their running back, pretty solid. Just an overall solid team. But I tell you what, I'm curious to see that spread against Oregon. I think Oregon could win that game. I just think Oregon has better players. Now, I would like the head coaching matchup for Utah. I like their, their head coach better than Mario Cristobal. But don't be surprised if Oregon wins and upsets the apple card and then Oklahoma or a Baylor could jump in there. So Utah at five. Then at four, I have Georgia. Just overall solid team. Kirby Smart, really good coach, but their kryptonite is offense. They haven't adapted into the spread world, and Jake Fromm hasn't gotten any better. They're dealing with some injuries right now. I just can't see them beating the Tigers this weekend, um, and they'll be on the out of the uh, the playoff picture. But still, really good team. They'll they'll probably have a, they'll be a two loss season. They'll go to a big time bowl game. That's a hell of a year for Georgia. Then at three, Clemson. I know. People are sleeping on them because they've played absolutely nobody, okay? But they're really, really good. They're surprisingly better defensively than I thought they would be because after all the departures from last year. Offensively, Lawrence is having a really good year. You're just kind of sleeping on them. ATM still having a really good year, and they have weapons on the outside. Justin Ross, T. Higgins, they are some studs offensively. So... They're dangerous, right? And what's dangerous about them is that nobody's talking about them, right? Everybody's sleeping on them. They're healthy. So I'd, if I'm a Tiger fan, I'd rather be number one and not have to play Clemson. So Clemson at three. Then this week, I'm a flip. After what LSU did to Texas A&M and completely put the brakes on them, um, the defense showed up. And when it's time to show up, Dave Aranda and that crew are going to be ready to play. They will be. I think LSU is a tad bit better 
than Ohio State because you know why? I think defensively they match up. I mean, they all have big-time guys who are going to play in the NFL. LSU has Delpit, Fulton. Stingley, even as a freshman, is going to be a first-rounder in a couple years. Hell, he could play in the NFL next year. Okay, Caleb on Chasson. And they have dudes who are going to be, you know, middle-round guys, Lawrence, um, Phillips, guys of that nature, who can play too. Even a guy like Jacoby Stevens. So they have players. Um, same thing with Ohio State. Obviously, Chase Young, Okuda, and a couple other guys who, who, can, who are going to be, you know, big-time first-round guys. I, I, I think that Ohio State, they're getting a little too much talk about how great they are defensively. I think it's pretty comparable with them and LSU. I don't think it's a huge discrepancy. And like I said, when it's time to play, Dave Aranda's going to get the guys ready to roll. Offensively, here's why I give LSU the nod. is because it doesn't matter where, when, the circumstances, weather, whatever the case may be. I take Joe Burrow over uh, Justin Fields any day. He has not dropped off a bit. He hasn't had a bad game. He loves the pressure and... If you're in New Orleans National Championship, you you got to win the game. I'm taking Joe Burrow every day. And that's where I see the separation. They both have talent offensively. Clyde Edwards Lair, J.K. Dobbins, both great backs. They got great wideouts. It's all comparable. But at the end of the day, here's the factor for me. Is Joe Burrow the 2019 Heisman winner?